Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to treasurers about how they build their careers, where they are now, where they see both themselves, and the treasury profession going to next. This week's show, joined by Adrian Sargent, the founder of ESG Treasury. ESG are a relatively new company in the market, and they provide treasury advice and consultancy to organizations to help them provide sustainable solutions, if you like. Adrian's experience and that of his new team with a new company comes from the what you might call the traditional world of corporate treasury, combining Adrian's passion for all things sustainable and sustainable financing with his uh, 20 years plus of corporate treasury experience. And I know this very well because Adrian has worked a number of senior treasury roles a company such as Morgan Stanley, HBOS, Tesco Bank, where I really got to know Adrian because I actually took him from HBOS. Sorry, HBOS. Uh, I placed him there as the head of ALM or Asset and Liability Management, for those of you who don't know, to into Tesco Bank. And then he moved on to BlackRock. And his most recent position before ESG and setting up this was actually with Virgin Money. And Virgin Money, he then decided actually ESG Treasury is where it is, sustainable financing and stuff. He will explain that all to us throughout the program. Adrian, it's your turn, as I say, every week. Tell us about your career to date, if you would, and how you maybe first started in the world of Treasury. Over to you, sir. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Pleasure. And very pleased to be on the uh, on the podcast today. So, you know, my career is spanned over 20 years so far, but it started out in accountancy. Like many people in Treasury that, that I know, accountancy was, was the bedrock on which it was based. And people sort of then moved across to look at treasury so i actually started out in brewing nice. so i i didn't didn't want to be a, a typical accountant in a in a big four or big five or big six at the time accounting firm i wanted to get really stuck in with the with the business that did some i moved from brewing and accountancy and brewing to treasury and quite quite as quite a significant shift from brewing in edinburgh to investment banking in london and i moved into a sort of treasury controller's role there so again, on the accountancy side, but you know, my, my treasury interest was ignited through internal audit and auditing the treasury function of Scottish and Newcastle, nice. as it was. You know, and that and that was many many moons ago. Yeah. But I got an interest there, and I could see that it was a, a sort of a dynamic area to work. It was challenging. It was interesting. There was lots of things to uh, to keep you keep the brain ticking over. So, you know, if I look at treasury overall, then. You know, I think Treasury really is at the heart of, of organisations. I think historically it's possibly been undervalued. The financial crisis 10 or so years ago now really brought Treasurer's skills and knowledge and experience to the fore, particularly in, in banking, but, but for the other corporates as well. You know, it, it's key and many, many Treasurers will consider cash to be king, but there's many other facets there as well. So, you know, you have to look after the cash, but you really need to get into the into the detail of the organisation, mm. and you know, I, I see treasurer roles very much as a strategic partner to the rest of the business. So, you know, from that investment banking side of things, back in uh, Morgan Stanley in London, I had a family wanted to relocate back to Edinburgh, and I'd moved around different banks or uh, different banks and financial organisations, should I say, actually ever since. And the things that have really interested me have been change and driving things forward, and building teams and building functions. So. I found that I've, uh, I've had a passion for building, changing, changing things over the years. So my expertise so far, as you've mentioned before, 
looking to drive forward the environment social governance agenda there I drive forward sustainable finance and use my treasury expertise as well as um, the network of partners and associates that I've built up having done a lot of research in this area to help companies corporates and financial institutions um, to, to move into the sustainable economy yeah and with that so we'll just go back to H boss days because you were you know one thing I would say about all of Adrian's career is you sort of got these wider leadership roles but looking at you know, not just treasury in isolation, you know, sort of it's, you've very much sorted out a lot of the pieces of the puzzle and got people talking to each other. I know you, you certainly did that when they moved you from there and, you know, to Tesco's and things, but with HBOS, you had this wider role. What was that like? Sort of massive organization and lots of different interesting roles there, but HBOS, massive, massive group. How did you, how did you uh, get on with that? Yeah, so, so HBOS was my, my first role back in back in Scotland, having left uh, Morgan Stanley. And I joined HBOS a year after Halifax and Bank Scotland came together. So again, it was a time of change. And I had a, a number of different roles there, which were interesting and challenging. And we were very much sort of looking at the post-merger, bringing the, the, the right structure in place and getting the right controls in place linking in with the overall strategy and the risk risk management. So a lot of the roles there were very much focused on asset liability management, either overseeing different parts of the group or actually doing it for, for different divisions of the group. You know, and, and there was a lot of interesting elements there where you needed to get into the detail to understand the business, understand the products, understand their strategy to then pull out what the different risks were there and then assess whether or not the current processes mm. were um, aligned and effective. And then if they weren't, then, you know, you, you need to challenge and go to the various MDs and, and chief execs of the different different areas and the CFOs and say, look, there is something here. I believe there is, a, there is a risk here. I've done some scenario analysis. Here's some recommendations for reducing the risk, changing the products and the like. And that's when the, the interesting debates start as well. Um, but interesting enough, one of my, one of my last roles at HBOS was in group strategy. So, um, I've always had a, a view to developing myself. I've had a view to challenging myself as well. And I've had a view to giving things a go. So my last role at HBOS was giving it a go in group strategy. There was a couple of roles that became available in that small team. So there was about eight or nine people in the total group strategy area. So I was in there as the treasury expert at the time, just before the financial crisis. So, you know, it was a very interesting area there to, to be talking to the senior executives in the firm and the group treasurer and, and others about how do we protect the balance sheet? How do we protect the liquidity? How do we make sure that the overall strategy is working well? Obviously, it, it was a difficult time and Lloyd's eventually bought HBOS. Yeah. But, you know, having worked through that, it was very interesting to see the exec working and the different decisions that were that were being made through that particular sort of crisis point, as well as the financial markets were going through, one would say, a turbulent time. You moved on from that to the newly established at that time, Tesco Bank. So you were sort of developing it, though they had some stuff that was a, a carve out, as it were. And that's when we first, first met and everything else. Talk us through maybe the sort of you're going into a fresh setup. What was your pick list? What was your top priorities? Again, because people listening might be going in similar situations. What would you say is, look, these are the key things to keep at the front of your mind? Sort of thing? Tesco was a joint venture with the Royal Bank of Scotland. And Tesco then bought out the Royal Bank of Scotland share. But 
because it was Royal Bank of Scotland, the, the Royal Bank of Scotland ran all the systems, ran all the processes. And so when I joined, I think there were three or four people in Treasury at that particular time. And we relied very heavily on the RBS systems and processes to supply data. Mm. So very much it was a, it was a setup from, from scratch of all the processes you need to do. So I, I was, had the title of Head of Asset Liability Management at Tesco Bank, but that involved looking at the flow of data to understand what the different uh, liquidity risks were, what the different interest rate risks were, making sure I can understand what the overall strategy is, looking at ILAPs and ICAPs, which are capital and liquidity assessments that you do for the, for the regulator, as well as diverse as, as, as looking at um, securitization and bringing the securitization sort of understanding through and developing that team as well. So it was a very... It was a very challenging time, but it was very rewarding as well because it was an exciting time to be building something new. You know, the, at the time, Tesco Bank was was very much one of the key players, one of the key initial challenger banks, looking to shake up the banking market, looking to put customers first, uh, and all that good stuff. So it had a very good purpose in sort of looking after customers and, and shaking up the banking, or what was what was sort of deemed a stale banking market at that particular time. Yeah. One of the things that I would say, you know, having been through a, a build phase in a, in a sort of dynamic environment, and you know, we had we had the regulator talking to us a lot um, through that particular time, largely because it was just after the financial crisis. There was lots of new regulation coming. They were very concerned that there was going to be other banks that were going to fail. So therefore, you know, one of the things as you're going through a really busy period, I would always say it's always important as an individual to sort of make sure you look up from the day job. And make sure you realise that although you're having a, a hopefully having a great time because it's exciting and interesting work, that you also need to remember that there is life outside work as well. So one of the things I learned through that particular sort of phase was I was very engrossed in in the work that I was doing. There was a lot to do. It was exciting. It was dynamic. But what I perhaps looking back, what I perhaps didn't do was actually sort of lift my head up from the parapet and and, and or above the parapet and just sort of look at what was going on around me in my, uh, in my own personal life as well. So, you know, one of the things there was that uh, I was working very hard through that, but uh, you need to sort of just take time and take stock and uh, remember that you've got a life outside. Get your balance and get the balance right as well. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, so then you made the move to BlackRock, you know, good all, you know, good role, you know, international, there's like, you know, a bit more international than perhaps, you know, the, the Tesco role, obviously not as international, but you've got that great, you know, international experience. Talk, talk us through BlackRock. Yeah. So, so BlackRock obviously is a very large and influential organization. So, you know, I had the, the opportunity to join as the international treasury director there. So I looked after the treasury operations basically outside the Americas and it was a, growing organization. It had grown quickly following the financial crisis through some significant acquisitions. It today is obviously one of the major preeminent financial institutions of, of the world with significant influence and significant investments in, in a, lot of, a lot of companies. But one of the items there is, you know, you can, you can run an international treasury operation from a desk in Edinburgh. And with technology these days, you can communicate around the world. So you can have the right information flow, you can have the right influence, you just simply have to make sure you're a little bit flexible on the timing of those things to make sure you can talk to all parties around the world as necessary. One of the things I, I, I did find there was that with Tesco, I was at the head office 
and I was engaged. I occasionally went along to see the CEO, had some issues. I could pop along and see the CFO. You know, that the, the people were very, very local and very, very handy to see. What I found personally with BlackRock at the time and the role I had there, they, you had to be very, very independent. I reported into the group treasurer who was in Manhattan, New York, and you know that was four and a half thousand miles away. So there was a time zone difference. You had to be very independent there as well, which was which was fine. I enjoyed that element. I enjoyed the responsibility of being able to look after the items I was assigned and do what I thought necessary for that. What I missed, though, was that sort of engagement with the senior exec or feeling being at the heart of an organization. So, you know, when I reflected back with both HBOS and also Tesco, is that, you know, there was that ability to feel engaged because Morgan Stanley as well, actually, reflecting there, Morgan Stanley was growing a lot. So, you know, although it was a U.S. organization, when I was at Morgan Stanley as well, they were growing significantly. There was engagement with the CFO there about strategy, about understanding how things were developing. The treasurer was very, very handy as well when it moved from the financial controller role into, into treasury roles. So therefore, there was that engagement and feeling part of the, that drive forward. On reflection, what I found with BlackRock is that you were just a bit further remote. It's important for me, or what I've learned um, over the years, it's important for me to feel engaged and be truly at the heart of the organization. Mm rather than as a, as a sort of perhaps a satellite officer, albeit a large satellite officer. Yeah. So. And then with yourself, you sort of made the move to you joined Virgin Money as the Treasury Operating Officer. You know, perhaps talk about you know, Virgin Money and then how it's then led to you, you know, this because you, you've been there six years and then it's sort of the next role for you, which I think is is fantastic actually and we'll, we'll really bring out in the rest of the show. But sort of the move to Virgin, you know, great organisation. You know, what's it been like there? Virgin, again, was took me back to when I was at Tesco to, in, in many respects, mm. not only because there were some similar individuals uh, there at, at Virgin. Virgin was an, an Edinburgh-based head office. It had the right aspirations and the right purpose. It was UK-centric. It was Edinburgh-centric. So when I reflected back on, on the BlackRock, I be, could become and get more engaged again with driving the business forward or understanding that drive forward as well. And uh, the role of the Treasury and Operating Officer was, was broad, which also gave me a lot of items there in order to be interesting. So, you know, I, I joined Virgin Money back in 2014, and its balance sheet has grown significantly. So, you know, it, it grew, I think it was around about $12 billion when I joined, and, it, it, and, you know, it then grew to over $40 billion, and then Clydesdale Bank took over Virgin Money as well, and now the overall group is at $90 billion. So, you can see there that it's obviously an exciting period to be with a company that's growing. It's also your ability to be engaged because you're close to the senior management and the board and the executives there as well is engaging. And it gives you gives you that drive purpose um, there to really be engaged. So, you know, over those over those six years, seen a lot of change. Again, regulation has changed in the banking sector. There's new regulation coming out all the time, which adds some challenges to weave that into the into the operating model. Mm. But also, you know, to look at how to stabilize, how to manage teams, how to make sure that you're understanding the overall strategy of the group and how that's impacting the treasury responsibilities of liquidity and interest rate risk and credit risk and, and all those different elements there is is, is very interesting. And uh, you know, the role of the Treasury Officer expanded many different areas there as well. So it gave me that ability to be engaged and proactive across the, across the piece there. So, you know, that, 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 was, that was really a, a very interesting, interesting role. And actually, 
when I reflect back, you know, I've changed roles reasonably frequently, I think, for for many for many individuals. If I reflect back at my HBOS days, five, six, or even seven different roles, I think over that sort of seven-year period, I was at HBOS. And I just found it interesting to take on new challenges there. And although I was Treasury Operations Officer for six years, there were significant challenges through that period that kept me interested and made the role varied and diverse as well. Yeah. So things things from developing teams to system selections to organizational design were some of the some of the aspects that I got involved with there, which which just kept it uh, interesting and exciting. We're going to move into you know Adrian's you know next evolution, if you like, in sustainable financing and things like that, and why he's got passion for that. But just whilst we're in that sort of world of you've, you've done all these different roles with interest, really interesting organisations, H Boss, well known name and everything else. Obviously, you then got bought out, but you know you've still got you know big big corporate names. We've got you know just you know just in the past few days in the news, you've got a fintech is out there buying a bank. So it's sort of the poacher gamekeeper and all that sort of comparison. And and there's a lot of there's this massive amount of change in the banking market that you know perhaps the banking market hasn't really changed externally for that long. Internally that it's had to. You know, I know that you know we we do some banking recruitment, you know, more for not necessarily the big, big players, because a lot of the time they they use the big recruitment companies is when they say that we need someone you know recruited for bank quiz bank the group treasure there national bank of kuwait none of big roles but interesting companies and everything else but now there's this sort of change in the market this not sea shift but you know where are you seeing it I, you know i know we didn't discuss this before the show but what are your just your quick thoughts on that sort of thing for a moment the fintech is, is an interesting one because you know my experience with sort of banks that are growing and developing, uh, it, it's a difficult play because if you think about how a bank grows, a bank needs to be funded. Mm. So therefore, they need to, need to raise that funding from somewhere. If it's a retail bank, it needs to raise it from the retail customers. And the market is such that in, a, in order to raise the funding, you need to pay a high rate, deposit, high deposit rate to, the, to your sort of retail customers. So therefore, you can, grow your, you can grow your funding in that way. But also, if you're going to sort of your lending books, say mortgages is, 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 a, is a prime example, in order to lend money to, to mortgage customers, you need to be at the bottom of, of the market, i.e. a low rate, mm-hmm. top of the league table, which means a low, a low interest rate for the customers. So the perennial issue with any challenger bank coming in and in new entrant there is very much they need to get critical mass in order to make a profit. Because quite often, if you look at the league tables of deposits and mortgages, then the rates could be quite similar. Yeah. And there's no margin in between that to actually pay for staff and all the, all the running costs of a bank. Or it's difficult. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the key thing here is that there's an evolution of the technology there. I know that a couple of the sort of larger banks, for instance, Robert Scotland have got Bow, which is a the new challenge banks. So a lot of the larger banks are looking at technology and saying, well, how do we build our, our own tech bank? And therefore, they could perhaps transition their current customers across to that new technology. So, you know, it, it's an interesting dilemma there mm. in order to grow scale. Uh, I think there has to be some unique proposition mm. from the sort of the fintech elements where they are able to get the funding at the right price and lend out at a higher margin in order to generate the returns to, to basically pay for all the operations 
technology and people as well as do a, do a return to investors as well. So, you know, it's a, it's a challenging space for, for the new entrants there. Yeah. And I can see that, um, you know, through the fintech revolution or evolution, there's a number of some large institutions be looking at which ones they should buy to incorporate into their own estates. Yeah, bolt in and sort of integrate and everything else where the, yeah, to sort of keep up with things as well. It's just just on that. If you look at the, you know, a lot of the larger institutions have got large legacy technology. Yes, it's a burden, should we say, there. So you know that a lot of the cost of transition is moving the data and moving the, moving to to, to to new platforms there as well. Mm. So that's one of the other key challenges there. Apologies, it was just whilst we were on the phone because I've got Adrian here, so that's why I wanted to ask him. It just sort of occurred as breaking news, as it were. So that was one of the reasons I thought, God, I've got someone that know actually knows this space. Better than I do, really. And that's actually why I wanted to ask Adrian. But one of the things that Adrian's doing from here is you're springboarding into something fresh, new. We saw a great speech, which we'll, I think we've got a link to, or we'll put a couple of links in the show notes to some of the interviews you've done about sustainable financing. Can you explain to me what ESG is, rather than just three letters, and what you're going to do with it? What is, what is this, and why should people uh, contact you? ESG stands for Environmental, Social and Governance. What does that mean? It, it's the umbrella, sort of three-letter acronym, you could say, that is there for doing the right thing for the environment. So climate change is obviously the big thing there that, uh, that is there for the environment. Also making sure that you're doing the right thing by improving the environment, greenhouse gas emissions, uh, making sure they're controlled, carbon offsetting, all those sort of key things that you're hearing in the press these days. And the social side of things, that's all about doing the right thing for um, perhaps socially deprived areas or if you take a large mining company, making sure they're looking after the environment around that particular mine site and, and doing the right thing there for the, for the social impact of, of business. And then governance is the element where you're basically running companies that are well governed. You know, you've got diverse boards, you've got the right structure in place to make sure that things are challenged, you've got the right number of non-execs, all, all, all that stuff. So ESG really is that overarching banner of, I like to say, doing the right thing. But if you think about, say, taking things out of the environment, uh, mining or oil, then you need to make sure you're putting things back. So you're planting trees and, and you're, you're putting things back into society where you're, where you're mining. One of the key things there is it links to, I don't know if people have heard about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So they were developed a couple of years ago and there are 17 goals there. And the United Nations said, look, we really want the world to develop and look after people, look after the environment and basically sort of make the world a better place. Mm. So environmental social governance is underpinned and supported through United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And it's all about doing what I like to say is, is, is doing the right thing there. So I've, I've always had a desire to help, put it that way. And what I sort of want to do now is I want to use my treasure experience to try and help corporates and banks or any organization move to the sustainable economy. So, you know, I've done a dissertation recently with the Association of Corporate Treasurers. So I've done the Advanced Diploma in Treasury Management recently and, and, and passed that. So I'm going to be a fellow of the Association of Corporate Treasurers. Through that dissertation, I focused on sustainable finance and I've got a lot of contacts now, a lot of partners working with and trying to drive forward the sustainable economy and sustainable finance. So one of my beliefs is that where possible, corporates and banks should issue finance through the, the sustainable route. Yeah. And what I mean by that is they should link the 
the debt they're raising to improving the green elements, the environmental elements of the organization or the social elements. And they can do it via refinancing or even better for new initiatives that are there and, and, and help companies and banks and, 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 and the overall economy transition mm. to that sustainable economy. And I, you know, one of the things if we look to the future, one of the things I hope is that sustainable finance will be the norm. Therefore, debt that's issued or loans that are granted, the norm will be that they're sustainable, they're green, they're social, or they're green and social, which is a sustainable element where you're bringing those two together. Non-sustainable finance will become the smaller sort of smaller party in the market, and therefore it will be sustainable finance as the norm. And then with that, you know, okay, you know, being green is key and everything else, but why why do people need help to do this? Surely they can just do this themselves. They can go out to the market and buy a green bond or they can just raise the funds like this and, yeah, well done, you've ticked that box. Is that what it's like? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit complex at the minute. So, you know, the marketplace is, is not yet um, homogenized, I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, there's various, what we call accreditors, so that there are various institutions that, rubber stamp a bond issuance to say that it's green. But, you know, it, it can be quite a complex marketplace out there as well. So therefore, what I hope to do is be able to guide people through that particular marketplace, understand the different nuances, uh, use the partners that I've got as well to help companies change. So one of the key elements there, when I say different partners, there are a couple that I've, that I'm working with that have been doing sustainability for decades. And the key there is if you can actually issue stable finance and issue debt in the marketplace, you need to make sure it's aligned to your overall corporate strategy as well. So it is a bigger change for the corporate or the bank to make sure that they're aligning their overall corporate strategy in support of that, of that finance as well. So it's, it's where, again, the treasurer can be key and instrumental in the overall strategy of the organization. And uh, I mean, one of the interesting um, facts I dug out and, and, and it has been publicized more recently as well, is that actually there is significant demand for sustainable finance in the market. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you're likely to have cheaper issuance costs, sort of lower spread, and a bigger or greater diversity of both debt and equity investors as well. So there are some very clear benefits for the company of, of issuing and therefore also protecting the longevity and sustainability of the institution itself. So with treasurers, if they're thinking about it now, they're sort of sitting around saying, look, we must do something about this. They, they sort of contact you. What's the, the process, if you like, if that's the right way to do it? You know, as you're starting to you know, discuss it with them, they, they're saying, right, what are the key things they need to be thinking about? You know, is it the, the funding profile or, what, you know, how would you describe it? What's the sort of typical, without giving too much, because I know this is why they'd employ you, Adrian, but you know, what sort of... You know, what's the thought process for a treasurer sitting at the desk now, maybe listening to the podcast on the way into work? I see that's something we need to look at. What, what do they need to think about first? Yeah, so I mean, I, I, I've got three key principles that I think about. Right. I think about strategy, process, and review. So you've got to think about alignment with the strategic goals of the organization. You know, so if you're looking at some of the finance, does that align to the goals of the organization? Does a a number of examples where, say, old companies issue green finance, but that's actually contra- contradictory in, in its own right. You know, the market is moving from black to green. So understanding what that means uh, and sort of, you know, I'm very happy to talk to talk to anybody about that. I'm passionate about this, so I enjoy talking about it. You know, so what, is, what does it mean? How big is the market? What's the opportunity in the market? Where's the market going? So 
back to strategy. So understand the strategy of the organization and also treasury. Mm. But the process you need to go through then, you know, you can't just issue finance and issue any issue debt if you don't need it. So do you need to issue debt? Do you need to refinance some, some debt that's maturing? So identify, identify the need. You need to then establish the criteria that you're looking to meet. So, you know, if you're looking at greening your company, then how are you going to do that? What are you going to do it with? Why is it going to be green? Making sure it goes through that accreditation process. So there's a number of accredited accreditation providers out there. So there's a requirement there to do a, a sort of an RFI, RFP to choose one. Make sure it's aligned to your own company's goals uh, and you get on with the individuals there as well. And then there's also the what sort of debt do you want to issue? Yeah. Um, do you want to issue medium term note? Do you want to go down the securitization route? How, you know, what's the right debt for the organization and what's the market for that debt as well? And, and then the third thing of review is you've got to make sure that you set up the right process to continually validate that that, that debt you've issued is still financing green social or green and social development uh, and, and causes that you've, you've set out in your perspective. So you've got to make sure that you're doing that on a, on a regular basis. And also you've got to make sure you get that um, assurance on an annual basis as well to make sure that you still maintain credibility. So overall, there's, there's a piece here where you need to maintain credibility of the debt that you've issued and alignment to the overall strategy of the organization. Mm-hmm. So, as I say, there's, there's three core principles that I, that I think about. The strategy, the process, and then the continuous review. And you're at the early stages, that's why it's still evolving, an evolving space and sort of it's early days. And, you know, because you know, five years ago, well, 10 years ago, didn't even really exist. People weren't talking about it. I don't think in the, com- you know, certainly weren't talking in treasury terms, N- nothing I'd ever heard of and things. And then suddenly it sort of comes to the mainstream. That That's now, where do you see it developing to, you know, before we sort of look back over your career and sort of summarize that as we approach the end of today's show, but you know, where do you see the, the future of green finance and everything else, sustainable finance as it were? So, I mean, if you look back then, you're right, it's, it's just over 10 years ago when, when this sort of market started to develop. Sustainable bonds, there's now over 1 trillion sustainable bonds being issued. But if you, if you look at the overall bond market, and, you know, that's a, that's a small fraction of the overall bond market. So, you know, I, I see that as investment is required and as a transition to the sustainable economy, you know, putting the environment first and making sure you look at the social factors, then I actually see there is a huge opportunity for sustainable finance to be mainstream. Mm. So, you know, you're looking at, you know, the significant amount of the market moving to sustainable finance and that, that being the norm. You know, the new issuance is expected to top $1 trillion annually in the early 2020s. It needs to in order to support the, the, the greening and the climate change elements there as well. So, you know, that there is a piece there where this will become mainstream over the next four, five, six years is a sort of the sort of my expectation there. And, you know, it, it's an exciting area to be in. So, you know, there's this huge opportunity there and there's a number of companies that are leading the way. You know, so I've got a number of examples of, of companies who are who are leading the way and excited about, you know, environmental social governance doing the right thing, sustainable finance. So it is I believe it's key there to, to get behind this and, and make sure that we do the right thing for ourselves and for our children. So to wrap up today's show, as we do each week, we'll put your links to you know what Adrian's doing now and his new company and everything else. So there'll be, I'm sure there'll be people and some links to some of the videos, which are great. 
but you look back over your career, you know, someone comes in and says, do you know what? That's, that's great. You know, from coming from audit through Morgan Stanley, investment banking, Tesco, BlackRock, there's just great names there. And they look back and they say, do you know, that's the sort of history I'd like, or, you know, they might be halfway there and say, yeah, I'd like to follow that. What are the sort of key tips, career tips you would give, you know, maybe some of the junior candidates, mid-level, and then the, the senior guys are there thinking, oh, yeah, actually, you know, feel similar things. What, what sort of would you say? I would say give it a go, you know, and learn. So give it a go and learn are the two two key things that have, have sort of stayed with me through my, through my career. You know, I, I like to be in exciting, interesting areas. I like to challenge myself. Sometimes I put myself in rather challenging positions. <laughs> And setting up my own company will be will be my next challenging position to put, put myself through. You know, so it's important. I, I also believe to to continue to learn. Mm. So you know, I've, I've obviously recently done the advanced diploma. I wanted to make sure I consolidated my understanding there, but also I got the opportunity to do the dissertation and and really focus on a particular area that I was interested in. So uh, learn, continue to learn. Continuously challenge and don't be afraid to give things a go. Mm. And, you know, everyone needs to learn through through some point. And, you know, I believe that, you know, the skills a treasurer or treasury professionals have can be applied to various different issues within business. So give it a go. Continue to learn. Well, there you go. I'm not going to repeat those. A great little summation of today's show. Thank you for today. I think, again, a lot of people will be really interested in some of the stuff you're doing. So, Feel free to connect to Adrian. I think, I think there's a lot more to come from Adrian and, and moving forward with sustainable financing. I think it's really interesting what he's doing. So feel free to connect to him from you know, the LinkedIn profile that we'll put in the show notes. Adrian, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much, Mike. Thank you, sir.